0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Future Classics. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me on this splendid evening, Nicole Davis, how are you? Besides muted.
1: <laughs> Great <that I'm> not <laughs> muted. Oh boy. This is so much fun. Anyway, <laughs> I'm good. I just finished watching this movie again. I saw it. Uh, did I see it twice in the theaters? I might have. No, I, was, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I just watched it now though. It was, and so now we can talk about it and it's fresh.
0: Yes, absolutely. I watched it today as well. I saw this in theaters a couple of weeks ago, really not that long ago. Um, and I, I think I saw it during its like its, its extended run of being nominated for the Oscars and then eventually winning an
2: Oscar. So our most
0: recent film to date, David Luzader, he picked it. David, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. I'm, I'm living in a world currently where I have to figure out how I feel about Robert Pattinson being the next Batman, but that's not what we're here to discuss. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what what? <laughs> that was announced like an hour ago. That's bad. It's, I don't know yeah. if it is.
0: No, and, and, and allegedly very gotten, smelly.
1: He's gotten oh. very good in the last few, and years.
2: also he has outright said he hated working on Twilight and purposefully acted terribly, which makes me well, curious. I'm not sure
1: you? I buy that 100%. Well,
2: no, like they, I the, buy the, that
1: he hated it, but the I face I'm not that he I made, The, that the not face perfect. that
2: he made, he was like. I just, that's just the face that felt natural in my reaction to the material. But that's not what we're here to discuss. Oh, man, that's a lot to unpack. I'm
0: going to have to, we're going to have to talk about the after show. Yeah, that's not we're here to discuss, even though it might be if it ends up being good, because these weeks are future classics. It's our opportunity to bring something to the table that has come out in the last decade. That means if you're listening, years in the future, hope things are turning out okay. And that means that we were recording in 2019. Hello, robot overlords. Exactly. If you pull this out from a cd in the ground we should probably start burning these cds and burying them somewhere you never know CDs. uh right <laughs> uh, they last forever in any case we have to pick something that came out from 2009 and onward and present it to the panel as something that's going to be a future classic and there can be qualifiers on that it can be a future cult classic or uh what have you all sorts of different things but David, you brought something to the table. It's an animated film from just last year, 2018. Why don't you tell us why you picked Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? And
2: then we'll also announce next week's movie after that, too. Uh, All right. So the reason I picked this movie is I wanted to, you know, we were kind of falling into a trap of doing stuff uh, 10 years, you know, eight to 10 years back. And I wanted to bring something really recent uh, that I felt hasn't had as much time to establish itself in the zeitgeist. Uh, also I think we'd all talked about doing this movie at some point for this category. So I just, I couldn't resist. <laughs> and I, I think that I, I, the way that I'm approaching this as a future classic is not necessarily that it's a future classic for us, which, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie all the time until I die. Uh, but a future classic, like my nieces and nephews were, are super into this movie. They were super excited about it coming out. My niece wanted to see this so bad because she was like, oh. Uh, The reason I want to see it is that any the whole point of it is that anybody can be Spider-Man. And that, to her, was super exciting and inspiring. And I think that's why this movie is going to work its way into a future classic, not because of us, the adults who really enjoyed it, but because of the kids who are going to watch it and grow up continuing to watch it. Very, very good. Now, before we get
0: into a full, in-depth discussion of Into the Spider-Verse, Nicole... Next week is Around the World. That is an international film. What are we going to be watching? That is your pick next week before we get into Spider-Man here.
1: We are going to be watching Let the Right One In. The original, not the American remake. Let Me In. Uh, Let the Right One In is a Swedish movie. Um, And it's, it's got a vampire in it.
0: Ooh, I like it. This looks spooky.
1: It is spooky. I'm it in is on spooky. This. It's a little, uh, it's a, it's a little bloody in places, as you might imagine. Um, so it it could be distressing for some viewers. And we will have a guest. Uh, we have a guest lined up. So if all holds well, um, my college friend uh, Terry Lynn Hudson, uh, who is an actor in Chicago, and you should hire her, um, mm-hmm. will be guesting with us. So I'm very excited.
0: Very good. Woo, 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. You are not the only one who likes this movie. All right. I'm, I'm excited. I am very excited. But oh, I knew I was excited for this week's movie, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, this, again, I'd seen it just relatively recently. And David, I want to dig right into the heart of what you mentioned in your synopsis of this being a movie to show you that anyone can be Spider-Man. Because for those unfamiliar, first of all, go watch this movie. I mean, yes, we're going to spoil it like we do any other movie, but it is worth your time. And it's not very long either. It's like under two hours or just under. I mean, it's it's an hour and 50 minutes. It's okay, a it's standard just a-
2: movie length.
0: <laughs> right. I'm just saying we're not... We're not going down to like three and a half hour movie tour. I guess there's not <laughs> a lot of three and a half hour long. No, there's spike- kind of just
2: one. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Um, in any case, oh yeah, you're right. I'm just an Endgame head right now.
2: Uh, Endgame. Oh, someday
1: if I'm mad at you guys for my Around the World, I'll pick the uh, five hour version of Red Cliff for us to oh, watch.
2: I'll be sick that week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, this movie,
0: I think. It's so wonderful because for those unfamiliar, there's a bunch of different spider, spider men, spider men and women and pig, um, spider people. and girl. Yeah. Spider people, spider beings, beings, I guess, spider <laughs> beings. And they all collide because you have, uh, Wilson Fisk, who is, uh, what, what is he again? The Kingpin. He's Kingpin, right? Uh, he's Kingpin. I did a
1: write up for you, Brett. Gosh dang it.
0: I know. <laughs> um, oh wait, I didn't even read the thing. <laughs> We're really on top of it, audience. Yes. Uh, so Brett a young is Miles. So excited to start Brett, yeah, talking, about this, talking about this movie. Just, yes. Just a young Miles Morales, worry. bitten by spiders, escape from Kingpin's research facility, gaining mysterious powers. Uh, when the Spider-Man in his universe dies before showing Miles how to handle his new abilities, Miles isn't sure he's the right fit for the hero life. But after the arrival of five other spider beings from parallel dimensions, suddenly he has to make a choice. And that of course gets much more complicated who's everyone's favorite spider being? I'm just going to drop in with that because there's all, they're all so wonderful and they're all so different. And I didn't even know some of them existed. Are they all in the comics, David? I have lots of questions.
2: Uh, yeah, we, we well, So this is loosely based on an event called, uh, into the spider verse, uh, or just, I can't remember if it was into the spider verse or just spider verse. Um, I didn't follow it that closely in that one. You have hundreds of spider beings from, and oh, th- wow. uh, from, from, all across the multiverse, uh, coming around. So you had like you know regular Spider-Man. You have Ultimate Spider-Man. You have uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. Spider-Man Twenty Ninety Nine, who also kind of appears in this movie. Spider-Ham. Spider-Man Noir. Spider-Man Rain. Toby Maguire Spider-Man is mentioned as having been there, <laughs> as well as Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Uh, so in that one, you get like everyone. And before they released it, they did like a run-up of. Uh, hey, here's some Spider people we kind of want to highlight, and among them was like Spider Man Noir and Penny Parker and Spider Gwen, who has now become a very well established character in her own right. And I, th- I, some of them I think existed in like kind of one shot stories here and there, and some of them were created specifically for the Spider uh, Verse event.
0: Now, is it fair to say, and and I think we'll we'll defer certainly to your your knowledge of the comics throughout this podcast obviously is it fair to say that if you have read the comics there's going to be a lot of goodies in here for you that are going to be very exciting and if you haven't read the comics you're still going to get by like this is not a daunting movie by any means at least i don't think so and i haven't read them
2: yeah there's not a ton of story easter eggs there's little easter eggs all throughout and there's actually even a little featurette on the blu-ray that's like here's a bunch of the easter eggs uh so it's not it's not gonna be anything where it's like there's gonna be a wink at the cam there was never a wink at the camera in the story where it's like, but you'll get this especially well if you've mm, read, okay. you know, issue two hundred and fifty six. Like they do a good job of not being like that. They don't name drop anybody that's not actually like in the movie.
0: I guess what I right. mean is there's a lot of like when I was doing research, I found out like Dr. Octopus or Oz or whatever they call him in the Toby Maguire movie is now a woman in this, and apparently Doc Ock, yeah. Doc Ock and um Dr. Oz. Doctor Oz, the TV personality very... against Toby Maguire. <laughs> we all saw that movie, right? Uh so but I remember my only exposure to that character was from Spider-Man 2, and uh and now it's a woman in this movie, and I was reading online that apparently it's not the first time that the character has appeared as a female, and like those sorts of Easter eggs in terms of like we're playing with everything available to us from Spider-Man comics. Yeah,
2: that, that, so that change is also, you know, ultimate, because uh, this is based largely on the ultimate universe and ultimate, um, Doc Ock isn't a woman. And I thought that was a brilliant little piece of, uh, of gender swapping for the character because it creates one of the best surprises in the movie.
0: Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Now, Nicole put in our docket. Actually, back up. I didn't get an answer. Who's everyone's favorite Spidey? And why is it Jake Johnson?
1: And I put speak for yourself because that's not my favorite Spidey.
0: Your biscuit boxer? Okay, so you're a, you're a noir, Nick I'm Cage, a, Spidey. I'm a
1: Spider-Man noir stan.
0: I mean, it is, it is Nick Cage. It's hard to argue with Nick
1: really?
2: Cage. Really? Oh, see, I yeah. thought the safe bet there was Jake Johnson, the... uh Oh, no, I'll, no look. I love I, I love Jake Johnson as and that, that might actually be my answer. But when you also have Chris Pine as Spider-Man? Yeah. Mm, Chris Pine <laughs> Chris Pine. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh he, he, he has the least
0: time as Spider-Man, probably. He's the Spider-Man who dies in Miles Morales' reality.
2: Yeah, uh, well, but, and
1: I mean, I've, I've actually never seen Jake Johnson in anything, so he was completely he, new to me.
2: Oh, and this is a what, is it, what a great introduction to because this is a <laughs> great role for Jake Johnson. Uh, the scene, just when it hard cuts to him crying in the shower, <laughs> is so brilliant. Um, oh, I love the whole you know,
0: the whole montage yeah. is is
2: amazing. Yeah, so I was in my apartment working out, doing ab crunches, getting strong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, he's so great. Peter B. Parker is certainly wonderful. What makes me do love the uh, the Chris Pine Spider-Man is the song that plays in the credits towards the end. <laughs> right. Uh, the Yeah, because he's just like the way he breaks down at the end. Where it's like, I'd do a lot more if my agent would call me back. Like, I have a degree Why did chemical... I agree
1: to sing this stupid song? Yeah. I have a degree <laughs> in chemical engineering. engineering
2: yeah. Uh, but of course, have to also mention John Mulaney Spider-Ham.
0: Yes, his first feature film role, so hopefully more to come. Who knows how he is as an actor, but he's certainly great as a voice actor.
1: You know, what's interesting is I had not seen, I I hadn't seen John Mulaney in anything before either. Mm -hmm. And so when I was watching the behind the scenes stuff for the first time yesterday, I'm just like, wow, I wonder how he puts on that great cartoony voice. And that's that's just just his voice. voice. (laughs) That's
2: that's why (laughs) he was elected.
1: all the time.
0: The crazy thing about John Mulaney is that you he's kind of like the dude you would have played D&D with. And that's kind of his style of comedy. And he's and he's always very sharply dressed. And he goes out on tour currently, as well as in the future. He's has a long tour with Pete Davidson, which just always looks like a perpetual train wreck. So you have a very oh. stark dichotomy between the look and style of their two comedians. But he's awesome in this movie.
2: Oh yeah, and and what what a really great little mind bender is uh, John Mullaney and Nick Kroll had a, they have these two characters they do um, in a little thing called Oh Hello, and these characters have popped up in Portlandia. They've done a bunch of live stuff. They've been on like Comedy Bang Bang. Um, there's other like shows I, I don't even remember that they've been on, but they had a run on Broadway. Uh, it's on Netflix. Oh, hello on Broadway. It is hilarious. It's kind of a little two-man show stand-up act slash actual little play. Um, and in this movie, in the Ultimate Universe, there is a a billboard in the background for Hi, Hello on Broadway. Oh, right uh, on. S- still starring John Mullaney and Nick Kroll.
1: Yeah, so. those Times Square shots are f- of little things to look at i i paused and went red Red man group frame by frame
2: yeah there's the red man group there's uh the weird uh uh, seth Rogen horse movie yeah
1: (laughs) there's there's a lot of of that
2: throughout the movie
0: there's there's a there's the uh We'll talk about Stan Lee separately, but he's on every train because every animator wanted to make their own Stan Lee and there can only really be one cameo. So he's on every train that passes. Um, There's all sorts of just stuff peppered throughout this movie in really wonderful ways. So what I want to talk about, well, first of all, I also want to mention, as long as we're on Favorite Spidey's with Jake Johnson, his character in New Girl, Nick Miller, is literally just this but Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, other way around. This is Nick Miller with Spider Man, um, kind of.
2: Yeah, kind of the kind of the same personality type. Well, but- I want to I want to say I want to say just a couple quick things on that. Number one, uh, new girl Stopped being about Jess. Sometime in the first season, that show was about Schmidt, and the, <laughs> it, the fact that it went on beyond Schmidt's wedding uh, was a real bad idea. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, hot, takes. I, hot takes. Hot uh, takes. I'm also not the only one to think that. Uh, New girls about Schmidt and it, there's a whole run where Zoe Deschanel's not even on the show, and it still is just as good. But <laughs> what I uh, the, 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 what makes them kind of similar but uh, different is that you know you had this was Spider-Man who was competent for like probably over a decade, and then has just gotten worn down by being Spider-Man for 22 years. Uh, That's true. Nick Miller's never fully competent.
0: Yeah, or really, result. There so. is
2: a a wonderful, uh, wonderful bit of visual comedy that's not like an outright joke, but it's when he first gets to the universe and he Peter Peter B. Parker takes his mask off and he's looking at the dead Peter Parker who's like young and blonde and you know perfect and he's like all beat up and schlubby and he's like it's it was like looking in a mirror. <laughs> right and it's like this is not how you view yourself is not even close to reality
0: <laughs> yeah a little little pretentious with uh the current universe's peter parker and his massive underground shed that has all of his weird spidey gadgets it's oh, basically the, his bat
2: cave oh the yeah. easter eggs in there man oh
0: and it's the, exactly oh i know
1: the bat cave <laughs> and then
0: uh and then of course you know uh peter b parker comes down and imagine a futon right there right? <laughs> <I imagine laughs> Oh
2: God, I mean, there's this spider car. I can't believe there's the spider car in this movie. Yeah, and there's like the uh, Iron Spider-Man. There's like all sorts of different suits. There's this, the Spider-Man PS4 suit in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So what I really want to get back to though is the amount of Easter eggs that really are in this in terms of just fun things you can catch when you're watching this movie multiple times. You know, like for example, my second time watching it, I didn't realize that the spider that bites... Miles Morales to, you know, send him into being a Spidey. I didn't realize that when it was crawling over his spray paint, his spray paint can, uh, it was changing the different colors of the spray paint. And I might have just missed that in theaters. That's because that particular spider that bit him seemed to have some sort of camouflaging ability that he obviously then later has. I've been reading up it online and apparently he doesn't turn invisible. He actually just Kind of chameleons into his environment, mm-hmm. which makes him he, look he camouflages. invisible. Yeah. Right. Which he got from that spider. And just little things like that, this movie's so jam-packed full of endless attention to detail.
1: Oh gosh, yeah. I mean there's a there's a like the first night they show him with his roommate at the school, his he goes Miles goes to sleep and his roommate stays up writing a paper or something. And there's this little montage of him at work and him like moving certain things and putting a book down and like the number of cans slowly Mm -hmm. grows next to him as he's, as he's going through. But um, I actually wrote down a lot of the stuff that they had in Times Square um, to look at in the background. I mean, you could spend the entire movie just looking at the backgrounds and get all the entertainment you would need from that i mean just because a the backdrops are, are beautiful in Times square there's the uh movies from dusk till sean uh seth rogan in hold your horses riding high in the saddle uh baby showers which looks like a bridesmaid sequel um I actually put in an actual play with Nick Curl and John Mullaney called Hi Hello, but it's just called Hello, I guess. And they they put in Hi Hello.
2: What's Oh Hello um, is the real one.
1: Yeah. They have a pic they have like the logo for the Snapchat QR code, but it's labeled Pickaboo, uh, <laughs> the restaurant Planet Inglewood. And then Red Man Group, which is absolutely terrifying to look at, which is basically just a red version of Blue Man Group. Uh, but if we weren't already
0: nightmare fuel enough, come see us in red.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, there's a promo for the New York Red Sox team. Uh, but there is, a, there is a comic book Easter egg in there where there's a, a partially obscure sign, obscured sign that says, and uh, men on it, which I assume is a reference to uh, John for the X Men for a long time.
2: So. Well, John. So, John. So, there's also Romita's name pops up in a few places. Also, Ramita. Rama. Yeah, it could be Romita senior or junior. Yeah, they. I mean, they've also both drew Spider-Man um, uh-huh. for a time. And you have. Well, I mean, you, have, you have. Steve. Also. <laughs> yeah, you have. Like when people are flipping their cell phones, there's like Steve Ditko, who's one of Spider-Man's creators. Um, there's uh, B Bendis for Brian Michael Bendis, the creator of Miles Morales. You have a few of those fun little name drops here and there. Yeah, certainly. And and Steve Ditko died
0: when they were making this movie, or had recently just come out, or something along those lines, I believe.
2: Uh Steve. I believe Ditko. so.
1: There's a there's a you know in honor of Stanley uh, and Steve Ditko at the end.
2: Yeah. Steve Ditko uh, died in in June of 2018. Okay, so right before it came out. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I mean, the only other thing that I noticed that was. St- seemed to me specifically comic related was the um the kingpin has flashbacks some of them are are you know moving like memories but he has like some of these still shot flashbacks like they're photographs and it looks like they're drawings by um Bill Sinowitz i think is how you pronounce it Sinkwix is what it looks like to me when i when i see it but it's got that sort of boxy angular um, dramatic look that he has that's it's very very striking and something that i like a lot
0: hmm. and let's one not forget I, kingpin played by Liev schreiber our second yes. encounter with the great actor uh sorry yeah Dave, go i think ahead.
1: they tweak it a little bit like they bring it yeah,
2: down a they definitely do look i just want to put one thought in everybody's heads and we can immediately move on okay. uh how did Kingpin have sex with a human woman? Anyway, let's move on to <laughs> anything else.
1: Oh, I know. That was something that I, I saw on the um, special features was that they were. Him having sex with a human woman? Okay. Kingpin. And like, how big can we Oh, he's a, him? he's a
2: rectangle. Yeah. Yeah, he's a
1: human wall. Yeah, my girlfriend forgot
2: his name at a at point in the movie and just kept calling him the Rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh,
0: when you so. said that, I pictured the rectangle with a W at the beginning because he just does wreck everything in his path. <laughs> Dude, because that would, be a, that would be an old school Spider-Man villain, right? Because let's keep in mind that he kills, you know, Pretty Boy Spider-Man, Chris Pine, at the beginning of this movie just by smashing down on him with his fists in one fell well, blow. I
1: mean, he was pretty in in pretty rough shape. Before sure, that happened, sure, but, but my oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> He, he he does put in the the finishing blow.
2: Yeah, right. No, I mean it's it's that that punch would put any of us out, normal human beings, probably to death. Right. Yeah,
0: certainly. And one thing I want to talk about, as long as we're talking about the all the easter eggs in this and the intention, to detail. We have to also talk about the style in which that's done, and the animation of in which it's done. Now, Nicole, you said the backgrounds are always beautiful and stunning, and one of the you know lead art directors on this, or maybe it was even the director, uh, said that if you pause this movie at any point, it'll look like a comic book frame. And
1: right, I think that was the production designer who said that, something like that. And I read but that quote yeah, before absolutely. watching.
0: And when you when you are watching and you pause, it and they even. They even frame things out where there's often frames on screen, like it's our panels rather. And uh, it is just meticulously done in this style of 12 frames a second, which is half, for you know, for those unfamiliar, half what you typically have in a movie, you could have 24, 30, or if you're Peter Jackson, like 700. And uh, they did this in 12, which as a result of that, uh, you know, this frame... I'm, I'm not going to get into a whole discussion of what frame rate does. It makes it look kind of stop motion-y. It makes it look like a comic book. And I thought that was such an interesting art decision. And it's mildly jarring for the first minute and then entirely immersing the rest of the movie.
2: Oh, a, a lot of people before this movie came out were like, oh, that animation style. Because they also do the the red and green kind of around the edges of the yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: that actually – I was. I first saw this movie in 3D. And I thought maybe they didn't have the projector calibrated. I, I don't correctly. think you're the only
2: one who thought that
1: <laughs> because it looks all you know, it's it's done exactly the way that the less expensive comic books are printed, which is with you know different colors of halftone printed in series. Well, and that's and that's how page that's how comics they don't always match up.
2: Yeah, that's how comics used to be printed, just how it was back in the day, which is kind of what that's an homage to. Like right. You would have a bunch of Marvel comics would have that kind of red, green bleed.
1: Yeah, you'd have stuff leaking around the outlines.
0: Mm-hmm. And this movie plays with that so beautifully because you have, again, you you have these sequences. I think a great example of it is the introductions of every spider being. And you have these sequences that literally just like look like you're flipping open a comic book, particularly Gwen, Spider Gwen or whatever. She's called She's
2: Spider, Spider Woman, but her comic is called Spider Gwen. Okay. Yeah. Especially right, like hers. Like literally is frame with, the frame.
1: Yeah. You're talking about the sequences that each start with. Let's go through this one oh. last time. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They each one of those looks like you're flipping open their comic book. And, uh, right. and 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 I was worried about this when I first heard about the movie because my concern was is this going to look kitschy? Like, like, are are you, because playing with frame rate is kind of a dicey move because it is on on the flip side, like you can do, you can do two things. It can be jarring and too slow and too stop motiony and people aren't going to like it. Or on the flip side of that, you can make your frame rate so high that you almost get a, uh, a motion blur type. Yeah. Yeah. Soap opera type effect. Um, pure Jackson. And that happens. So, uh, but they struck a perfect balance here where, it's the first time I've ever watched a comic book movie animated or live action and felt like I was inside of that medium. And it's an amazing, amazing, amazing feeling. I can't get over how cool that is.
2: Well, one thing that's also going to help this movie endure is that it's stylized because yeah, we can do so many great things with making, uh, you know, animation look realistic and all that, but that doesn't age as well. Where if you look at, Stuff that that is hyper stylized like this. I mean, it's it's always going to look great, even oh, when yeah. technology improves. And yeah, it might be like a little bit, you know, oh, back in twenty eighteen. Uh, but it's thank you, Topanga. But it's still <laughs> going to endure by its own artistic right. Certainly. Yeah, and
1: I mean, another thing I I love about how they play with the medium and what you were saying, Brett, is they they take some chances with drawing attention to the fact that this is from a comic book you know by they'll put writing on the screen um, you know like the
2: of the thoughts when
1: yeah the thoughts like when Miles is walking down the hallway and he's like he knows and she knows and they know and everybody knows and the words (laughs) are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger behind him
2: also a great allegory for uh, puberty
1: (laughs) oh yeah 100% (laughs) right
2: (laughs) which is kind of what Spider-Man
0: started as Right. Right. There's also yeah. another great instance of that when uh, Miles Morales has finally learned how to kind of swing, and he's doing it with Jake Johnson's, you know, P- uh, Peter B. Parker, and they're holding a classic, you know, computer tower <laughs> as they're right. whisking it away from Doc Ock, and, um, and they're saying, like, I can't remember what they're saying, but it's like, swing, jump, swing, or something like that, and those words are popping up on the screen, and it's really tastefully done. It's not like it's wham, bam. It's not those sorts of things popping
2: up. Well, they did, yeah. did- they do a good job of keeping some of those special effects things to a minimum, you know, uh, the whole, like the thwip, which is the sound that it makes when they do the web, like they do it at the right. They're not doing it the entire movie or like sometimes when someone laughs, like when his uncle laughs at him one time, it's like, you know, there's kind of an effect around him, uh, that emphasizes that moment. Like they do, they're, they're really smart in what they chose to, emphasize. Yeah, and although almost, my
1: very, very favorite is after they escape the cafeteria and Miles throws a bagel at one of the scientists chasing her and the word bagel pops up where it hits her in the face. <laughs>
0: she stole that bagel. Which was a joke. <laughs> Apparently an animator did that as a joke and they were like, oh wow, that's pretty good. We should keep that in. Um, yeah. The bagel. Yeah, I, I also I love, love that this movie does it's very selective, as David said. You only start seeing that stuff, period, um, at least in terms of, like the thought, like the thought bubbles and that sort of thing, after Miles has been bitten, and and that was very much intentional. And uh, it doesn't pop up before that. So even things like that, they just they thought out this movie so well. You have to laud the writers because it is so easy to get bogged down in alternate universes and the multiverse and we're a bunch of Spider-Man and we all have to get home. And it really navigates it well, almost by just kind of disregarding logic in a way, right? Like, they all get back to their universes at the end of the movie by jumping into a portal. And I don't need anything more than that. I don't need it to try to explain it to me.
2: Right. They, they do they do a good enough job of what they're trying to do and here's how it could, like they do it as you said like just enough where okay cool i can go with that. i don't need someone being like well uh, you know if we uh, here's the math for it and here's how it's going to like work out it's just you have like a scientist being like i'll figure it out and i'm like cool that's all i want that's good <laughs> enough for me now yeah, nicole you mentioned you you
0: mentioned yeah. in our docket the blend between 2D and 3D, and uh, that's another very interesting style in this movie that, again, is so seamless, I don't even really notice it unless I'm looking for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I notice it particularly anytime they have a, a car chase mm-hmm. of any sort, like the road and the cars are rendered almost completely realistically, and but they still keep the characters in their various styles. I mean, each, each of the spider characters is animated differently. Um, depend and in both look and in motion, you know, like spider Gwen moves in a very distinctive way from Penny Parker does.
2: Well, yeah. Penny, yeah. Penny Parker is cut ca- as an anime character. Spider ham as a classic cartoon uh spider-man noir is like the the whole black and white but they all just they interact together and blend so seamlessly
1: yeah it's amazing
2: (laughs) yeah like it's really it's a really like a testament to 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 technology and what we're able to do in really interesting ways beyond just like we can we can make that that iron man suit look real (laughs) <laughs> no you
0: can't. I'm looking back at 2008. That yeah. is not held up by David, you mentioned that a little while ago and I recently did a rewatch and I was like, "Ooh, David's right."
2: Oh yeah, the, the effects, the effects in the original Iron Man are not holding up, guys. No,
0: they're not. I fear I uh, fear
2: for Endgame in 10 years.
0: Yeah, so you Nicole mentioned the the car chases and the the switches to, you know, 2D and 3D. And I do want to bring up my favorite uh, quote in the movie, which is first, why did I get stuck with the janky old broke hobo Spider-Man? As Miles <laughs> is lamenting the fact that he is now with Peter B. Parker, and then the cop that sees him dragging Peter B. Parker through the streets on accident, all units be advised: we have a kid dressed as Spider-Man dragging a homeless corpse through downtown. And <laughs> that is it,
2: that is really great. And
0: it's and it's it's ended so perfectly by him falling flat on his face underneath like an, an elevated part of the subway and everyone's stepping over him and him just mumbling. Thanks, New York. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I, I absolutely love just a couple of a quick favorite lines is, uh, when Peter B Parker, they're going through like, here's the plan. He's going to, he's going to break into that Alchemex lab and he's going to go, uh, after the head scientist's computer and they show him like going towards a man as this woman walks by and miles like, Oh yeah, it's the woman. I saw this in the film. It's like, and step three, examine my personal biases. <laughs> uh, and then also w- towards the end when they have some moment when like miles saves Peter and Peter's like, Oh God, I'm so proud of you. Oh my God. Do I want kids? <laughs> Yeah, the movie's
0: so jam-packed full of them. I just think of, like, this is one of the only movies I've seen where there's so many quotes I just want to sit here and talk about, whether it's um, oh god, you know, save it for Comic-Con and all the people dressed as Spider-Man or oh, uh, all,
1: folks. Right, and Miles to doesn't know what Comic-Con is
0: yeah, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that's a good question David, is he even allowed to say that's all folks at the end is Warner Brothers going to get on them for this uh, it can get weirder, that's another great one from uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it from, can get weirder, from My Spider-Ham because I washed them, that's the only reason
0: and I also do love the I think, the, I think Spider-Verse does a great job with – and David mentioned this at the beginning about how this is really going to resonate with a younger audience and I think will in the future. And I want to get more into that a little bit later because anecdotally I have some, some evidence of that. But uh, the dynamic between Miles Morales and his cop father is something we've seen a lot in a lot of different movies and this just does it really well. <laughs> and, uh, and I love everything from his dad dropping him off at school – and blowing through the what is like the police loudspeaker on his car, make his kid say I love you back to him in front of his brand new school, <laughs> embarrassing him. And there's this delicate soft side to a hard ass dad, right? And it's 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 cool. It's it's in lieu
2: of like an Uncle Ben type character, it's very cool to see his dad in this. Uh, the one thing though that that does kind of get me upon further rewatches, is is his dad the only cop in the city?
1: <laughs> his dad
2: yeah. his dad a Brooklyn street cop is is responding to calls in Queens like that's <laughs> that's not what would happen
0: <laughs> no, no. I, I know it's
2: not but the dad shows up at every key event of course and it's like okay like I, I mean like it's when when you're watching it when you're in it it totally works but it's one of those things like upon like past reflection it's like okay
1: it's it's comic book logic right
2: exactly sure and and as
0: long as we're talking about you know parental figures of any kind i want to talk move over marissa tomei move over old lady from toby Maguire. um i don't know if she was anyone notable or not uh i'll google it later lily tomlin is here as aunt may and oh my god is it the best aunt may i have ever seen
2: uh first first of all you're wrong because the woman from the Raimi Spider-Man films is exactly how Aunt May uh was and is. Uh but Lily Tomlin <laughs> did a pretty great job.
1: Yeah, I, the the woman in the Raimi Spider-Man is exactly like the the comic strip Aunt May and the original Aunt May. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, she was um, a great Aunt May. I did love her. I think it's just cuz I love Lily Tomlin and they made her like Lily Tomlin and they but, wrote it yeah, in her voice. Yeah, I like voice. her modern
1: take. I like her modern take on it. I like that she got to kick butt a little bit. Like she whacks tombstone out of her house with a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. Um, She's very, she's very smart. She's very no nonsense. Uh, But I mean, I, you know, I adore Lily Tomlin anyway. She is such (laughs) a, a trailblazer, a banner carrier, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs)
2: She's she's super great. I also want to mention and, this real quick, because we talked about her a couple weeks ago. Catherine Hahn is also in this movie.
1: <gasps> I love her so much. <laughs> yep. I love her so much.
2: She's great. Oh, there's
1: she, it used to be I didn't know who she was now. It's just like, oh, it's that lady from Parks and Rec. But now it's you know, <laughs> oh look, it's Catherine, Catherine Hahn. Everything is suddenly better. Right. <laughs> she actually brings this this. She brings this sense of like. Um, mischievousness that can suddenly swing into like terrifying malevolence at the drop of a hat. One,
2: one thing this movie made me realize is you used to have this issue uh, with actors and you get this still with kind of some older actors where back in the day, like acting and voice acting were two extremely different things. And if you were an actor, you didn't do voice acting. And when they did, it was often very stiff and very awkward. Uh, But now it's like, it's so common to have like Ryan Reynolds also be the voice of Pikachu. Uh, So you just have like this new kind of breed of actor who has to do a lot more. And like this movie highlights it with, you know, all of these voices we're talking about who do a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, when you look at the IMDb, this is a who's who of Hollywood, right? Everyone from Herschel Ali to Zoe Kravitz and just tons of people you would not expect to be in This movie pop up all over the place.
1: And a lot of people with tiny roles, like Lake Bell plays Vanessa Fisk in the flashbacks. And she gets to say, like, six words.
0: Oscar Isaac is interesting person number one. No, Oscar Isaac is uh, Spider-Man
1: 2099. Is O'Hara.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which they they credit in the in the credits as interesting person number one.
1: Yes, Th- that was in order that to
2: is. avoid spoilers before the movie came out. Oh, is that it? Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: because it's his scene is post credits. Yeah, so. he's the
2: guy at the very end of the movie. Ah, oh, you're right. Okay,
0: I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Oh, very cool. And that that also means we're we're gonna get a sequel at some point. I think that's already been announced. Right. I, I believe <laughs> so. Yes. Okay, well I'm I'm here for it. Let's talk about a couple other discussion topics too. Oh, uh, David, you had something.
2: Oh, it's just like they want to do like a, it's one of those things where it's like it was very successful, so now here's like a million things we want to do uh and probably maybe like two or three of them will come to fruition.
0: Yeah, especially when this was a 90 million dollar movie to get made, which is nothing, and uh did very 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 well.
2: Hundred millions, millions? Not, not nothing. Uh but yeah, no, it didn't. In the scheme of do, Marvel movies, it totally is. Well, yeah. But it's an animated movie. That's true. like uh, but, but, but like John Mullaney was like, I want to do a whole Spider Ham movie. And I'm like, not a great idea. No, <laughs> no, no. But they did they did if you did watch on the shorts, uh on the 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 Blu-ray, yeah. there is a Spider Ham <laughs> short. And I think, yes, do that. Do like just a, a bunch of those. Yeah, Perfect. Disney Plus.
0: Disney plus spider ham yeah. short series. I'm here for it.
1: So yeah, if you, if you did a whole movie, you'd have to pitch it to just little kids. I think. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. So now let's talk about a younger audience. My, uh, my soon to be sister-in-law adores this movie. Absolutely loves it. She just turned 17. She's definitely prime demo for this. Maybe even a couple years older, frankly. And, uh, I think that's what's so great about this movie is David mentioned it at the top of the program, and that has to be the the running line through this show, is that anyone can be Spider-Man. And Miles Morales is someone who is, you know, um, this is thrust upon him, and, and he doesn't know how to deal with it, and he figures it out throughout the course of the movie, as all of these different spider beings have. And I think that's why, for me, uh, this is to me, the most pure superhero experience I've ever had in my lifetime watching a superhero movie. And I, and I know that there's been a lot of superhero movies over the years, but my, for for those, you know, unfamiliar, I'm, I'm 23. So my first introduction to superhero movies was probably like, you know, X, X one through three. And then obviously, you know, the Spider-Man's, the early Spider-Man's, and then obviously the MCU, um, and Christopher Nolan stuff. So, in all of that and there's been a lot of movies i adore and favorite movies that i love this is the most like innocent pure like magical experience that i've ever had watching a comic book movie and i think that's because you know the art's stunning as we've talked about the cast is extraordinary the story is excellent while circumventing anything that's too tropey or if it is tropey they just do just the right amount of it and I think that, you know, someday when I have kids, this is the movie I would show them first. If I was to show them stuff that came out kind of in the era of me growing up, going through my teens and early 20s of superhero movies, this is the one I would bring them to. And I think because, as David said, the art is stylized, that will only help it hold up over time when I do eventually show it to my kids down the road. I just can't get over that because there's an audience for every superhero movie, but I think everyone's the audience for this movie.
2: Yeah, I would. I would agree. There's definitely truth to that. I mean, you know, I I saw this movie alone in a theater and enjoyed it very much, and was like, I want my 12 year old niece to see this movie, so I went right. and took her to it. And you know, my my 11 year old niece was sick and couldn't go with us, but was extremely bummed because she really wanted to see this movie. And now my other like nieces and nephews who are a little bit younger are seeing it because it's on DVD, and they're just like they're they're adoring it. Uh You know, I basically like as as stuff I said before and everything that you just said, Brett, I think absolutely it's going to it's going to hold up visually. Uh, The story is going to hold up and it's got like a great kind of inspiring message. There is kind of a some someone for everyone to see themselves in. Uh, Not absolutely everyone, um, but in a lot of ways, you know, you 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 check effortlessly, you check diversity so much better than most other superhero movies
1: oh no kidding yeah i, I mean we have
0: to. a we have a spider being of color as the primary catalyst for the entire story the one that ends up saving the day you have a female spider being two two female spider beings you have uh one of which is you know uh of not white which is which is all i mean uh, yeah it's just like there's an asian spider being There's like all sorts of stuff here it's great
2: yeah, and for the for the animals watching they see they too can be spider-man right yeah. if <laughs> first they, of all if well if they now if they bite a radioactive spider uh which is what spider ham's origin is yeah so that blew my mind because i well i always
0: thought that it was like uh like a ham not a ham it was like a pig that was um bitten by a radioactive spider and nope, not the was, other way around. It was a it was spider a bitten by bit a, radioa- a radioactive. Spider. Right. He was a spider bit, oh, by, yeah, a a spider, bit by a radioactive pig. A radioactive pig, yes. Yep. Right. Which I caught it's, the second time around. And it's insane. So much better. So when you think about it, it's just that more zany and that much more perfect. And I also love that his secret attacks, and they all have them, is just pulling big stuff out of his pockets. Oh, yeah. He, he pulls out the giant hammer. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> Again, how did they get yeah. the, the rights to do some of this? Uh, Because this is a Sony movie, but man, Warner Bros. might have gotten a pretty penny for Spider Ham.
2: I don't know. At least in terms of like Spider Ham, but I mean, using that line, Spider Ham is a pre-existing character.
1: Yeah, it's not a unique idea. the The cartoon trope of pulling something huge out of a small space. Right.
0: I just mean he's he's animated to look exactly (sighs) like a Warner Brothers animation. I've also seen that. No, there's
1: no doubt he's meant to look a lot like Porky Pig. Right. But um, you know the again with the attention to detail and that matches the comic completely is that whenever his eyes change expression the eyes on the end of his snout change expression <laughs> yeah. also to match which is really bizarre and that's a that's a trope that I'm not sure if I love or I hate that they never explain how the Eyes on their fabric costumes move. It it's something,
2: yeah. It's something I can one hundred percent accept in in animated stuff because it makes it so much more expressive. Uh, I, I will go fully on record here saying I don't really like it in the live action stuff. You don't like um, Iron Man, Spider Man? No, I don't. I don't need his <laughs> eyes. When,
1: Deadpool's oh. eyes.
2: Yeah, right. Well, Deadpool's even Deadpool. I'm Like, yeah, okay, because you're playing with tropes. I don't. It's Spider Man. Yeah. So- when he's like, when he gets surprised, his you know his eye visors just go wide. I'm like,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just want him to be emotionless, not motionless, just emotionless.
2: I, it worked. It worked for other Spider Men in the past. I know moving eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So a couple other discussion topics we have really cruised through, loving this movie. I knew this was going to happen. Uh, the Stanley cameo. Anyone have a tissue or six from Nicole?
1: <laughs> oh, I almost do. We have to lost talk it about in it.
2: It always fits in the end.
1: Oh, uh, punching you right a,
2: in the gut. Such a better final cameo than what end game gave us.
1: <laughs> oh, the, and I mean, this was right. This was like right, right after, after he died.
2: Yeah. And it was just so poignant.
1: And it, it was is. Perfect.
0: It was perfect. Yeah. And I love when he says, you know, and keep in mind for those who don't watch the movie, you know, uh, Miles Morales goes in to buy a Spider-Man costume to dress up like Spider-Man because he's now become Spider-Man, and, uh, which is a throwback to Miles Morales in the comics, who originally does buy like a cheap Halloween costume as his his costume. And uh, he goes to the shop and, and buys it from the shopkeeper, who's Stan Lee. And uh, he asks if he can return if it doesn't fit. Stan Lee says, you know... It'll always fit in the end, or something along those lines, and then he gives him this like wonderful pearly whites grin, and like the <laughs> his teeth like glisten, and it and it zones in on the back of the no returns yeah, it slowly you know. pans like um, no
2: returns or refunds ever.
0: Right, right. I just love the uh, the the sleazy shopkeeper Stanley, also with the really sweet line.
2: Yeah, he has, a, he has a really inspirational moment and you realize like, oh no, he's just making a buck.
0: Yeah, love it. Absolutely, absolutely love it. And again, I love that all the animators were so gung-ho on animating him that they had to put him in all the trains. Um, which is also crazy because this is the most animators they've ever had on a Sony Pictures film ever. So, a lot of animators. I think it's like 120 or
2: something like that. Just insane amount. Oh, and this movie, I mean, this movie was in production for a long time. I remember the teaser trailer coming out had sometime in 2016.
0: See, that's, that's the opposite of me. I, I didn't hear about this movie till weeks after it was already out when it, yeah. they were marketing it. They were saying in theaters, there were literally posters that made it look like it was a one day Fathom event. It was like oh wow! It was like in theaters so you didn't this see- day, May seventeenth or whatever. I know that wasn't the actual day, but like it made it seem like it was just one day. I thought it was kind of akin to like the Killing Joke or something like that, where it was just like an animated thing that the studio did that they're going to show once and then send the DVD. I did not realize yeah. what this was. Yeah. Oh, so-, so
1: you didn't see Venom? I guess
0: <sighs> I did not see Venom
1: because <laughs> at the at the very end of the credits for Venom, they had like a four or five minute clip from this movie. Uh they had the, the <laughs> Cleanse where, the Power. <laughs> um Miles and uh Peter B. Parker meet in the cemetery and then Peter B. Parker gets dragged. You know, the whole subway scene. And um I was really worried after that. I'm like, if this is going to be typical of the Of that movie, you know, how good can this be if it's all going to be this frenetic slapsticky? You know, this isn't going to be for me. I'm not the audience for this movie. And I am glad that I went anyway, because that's almost the most slapsticky thing that happens in this movie.
2: For sure. If you didn't if you didn't see the part where he got the the snowman's head on his head and then it was dragged slowly across a bus while Miles gives the guy inside of it a what's up nod and you think this is great I, I don't know I don't know
1: I did love the how the kid screams when they first hit the window <laughs> right ah! I Yeah, that's a totally natural reaction.
0: I <laughs> yep. love the awkward charm of Miles Morales in this movie. Um, you know, my yeah. my high school teacher or fiance has kids that do the hey because it's become <laughs> like synonymous with their culture now. It's just the hand on shoulder, well, awkward hey.
1: And huge kudos to Shamik Moore for his voice work on Miles Morales.
2: Oh yeah. Because I've... it's
1: just awkward yet charming at the same right? time.
2: In in lesser hands in this movie, a Spider-Man would have dabbed, and I'm so glad they didn't. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Not necessarily lesser hands, but certainly
0: different hands. There was an idea on the table, albeit briefly, to have the Spider people and men and, and stuff voiced, at least, at least in large part, by people who had previously played Spider-Man, bringing back Toby and Andrew Garfield and... Uh, couple other people tom holland whoever else has played him um not tom holland what's his name again tom Tom holland currently plays spider okay tom holland okay cool uh and they didn't do that and i'm glad they didn't I, those are great actors but i'm really happy that they went the way they did but i was curious what you guys would think of if the movie had done that how different it would have looked
2: uh, well i mean as we mentioned earlier you you lose a lot of the diversity uh when you're stuffing in three more of those guys, I think it's a, it would be a fun thing to do if in the movie you had even more spider people and you have like a scene where it's going by and you have the three, you know, animated versions of the live action Spider-Man having a brief conversation. Yeah, that uh, so would have been
1: cool to have one, one quick scene. Yeah, with
2: Sony call me up. <laughs> Yeah,
0: so it needs to be like a, and this is a terrible example because I know people hated this movie, but it needs to be a, um, a Bill Murray sh- and Dan Aykroyd show up for five seconds on camera for Ghostbusters, but they're not the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. People hate that movie, but um, but I did like that they included not them. Not very- everybody
1: hates that movie. Oh no,
0: yeah, I, I would say <laughs> less people hate that movie than you think do. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, they're erasing it. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion topic. Let's also yes. talk about the uh, outstanding soundtrack. This was something I was really excited to talk about oh, because so good. The soundtrack does a really, really great job of curating an awesome playlist of because it, you know, it is a playlist. It's all you know, pop and hip hop songs, and ha- it has um, you know, Post Malone' sunflower song is is the song that keeps going well, on that Morales is yeah, super so into. Sunflower
2: was written for this movie,
0: right? Uh, right, well, not written, necessarily written
2: for the movie, but they. Used it specifically for this movie. Exactly. Yeah. And I think What's
1: Up Danger was written for the movie.
2: Well, yeah. There's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think one song very specifically mentions like Miles Morales. Right. Um, And it's just a really, really good
0: soundtrack. And you run the risk when you have contemporary pop music in your soundtrack, people like Post Malone, of A, it not aging particularly well, which I don't foresee. They picked very good songs here. And then Oh, yeah. B I think you run the risk of it being like top 40 hits radio-y, and they didn't do that at all. Like and it's all really awesome hip hop and that's what I think's cool about it. Everyone from, you know, um Post Malone, like just names, Post Malone, Nicki Minaj, uh Lil Wayne, gone. Ugh, ugh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Blackway. Yeah, right. Vince Staples um Jaden Smith. Okay, there's some not-so-great people on here, but they have great songs on here. And uh, I just love this soundtrack. I think it is a really, really spectacular soundtrack that does a lot for the movie. I think Sunflower is a funky, amazing song. I was at Comic-Con this year, or C2E2 rather, and saw not one but two uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales versions with sunflowers in there, like the top part, like almost like it was behind their ear, yeah. but inside of a mask. Um, that's, that's, beca- that's become, that's uh, become a cosplay thing. And, uh, and I think that does a lot for this movie. I think it's part of what makes it hold up really well for me is that I love listening to what's going on with this movie. They did a great job of it.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, Daniel Pemberton, who did the, the actual score part
0: mm, right.
1: of the soundtrack, I think does a wonderful job of, Under, underscoring uh, (laughs) of of tying into it, and I'm not sure which came first, you know, chicken or the egg. I'm sure I'm guessing that Daniel Pemberton went off in a studio somewhere and did his own thing, but also probably that the directors and the writers brought him a couple of tracks to to give him a flavor of what they were going for and like a a jumping off point of like, you know, this is miles, personality. This is the kind of stuff he likes to listen to. This is the kind of attitude that he wants to project, not necessarily that he has, but that he wants to project, you know, run with this. And he, he, it, the score complements the needle drops just perfectly. I think.
0: Agreed. Oh, absolutely. And I do want to say that if you, if you are so inclined, it's on Spotify. I think they might have done a, a 45 of it, but they do have a very spidey Christmas out there. There's five whole songs. Okay. <laughs> and performed by Chris Pine, Jake Johnson, Shamik Moore.
2: Well, and Chris Good Pine stuff. can sing, man. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pine's got a great voice. Yeah, it is. It is something.
0: <laughs> I, By the way, I just and love you can that. You also like,
1: fake bad sing.
0: Right, also <laughs> that, and I also do love how you know Spider B Parker. One of his many woes, aside from losing Mary Jane, was uh investing in a spider themed restaurant, <laughs> and yeah. you know along with along with doing like a TGI Fridays for Spider Man, basically, um, along with doing this record and all TGI that sort of Spidey. stuff. TGI TGI Spidey. Yeah. yeah, right. So to end the show here, before we kind of discuss whether or not we think it's a classic. I even though I think that's quite clear, Dave. David, explain explain Spider Man to me Dude, because are having me do this at the end of
2: the show. No, because I you, was be brought up.
0: no because no because here's here's what I here's what I'm looking for. I realize that I brought this up way later than I should, and I'm asking for a specific part of this. I've never understood who Miles Morales is. I don't get it. Who's so, Mar- 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 Miles Morales what do you mean and Peter? Who he P- is. He's Spider-Man, uh, okay, so but he's, Peter
2: Parker's Spider-Man. That's what I grew okay, up no, understanding. Hold on. Hold okay, so here's the, the super short version taking out a bunch of the stuff I had planned on saying. Uh, <laughs> the Ultimate Universe was created because Marvel was floundering horribly, and they wanted to create a new continuity that people could uh, come in on the ground floor on. Uh, also, I believe that there were people who just wanted to write teenage Peter Parker But Peter Parker had for decades not been a teenager, which is why I think it's so weird that every iteration in film has him still in high school. Anyway, not important. So they create the Ultimate Universe, which ended up being largely successful because of Ultimate Spider-Man, which was teenage Peter Parker. And they could just resell us stories from the 70s again. uh, And wasn't
1: Ultimate supposed to be a little more grounded
2: a little bit, yeah.
0: Because isn't that you know, also I, I where mean, he doesn't shoot webs out of his hands, it's now attached no. to him and
2: that sort of thing? No, 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 That was something that no. was created in the Raimi movies, briefly showed up in the main continuity, um, and then oh, yeah, the later the, released,
1: erased. Yeah, oh, the okay. man juice.
2: He got eaten by a spider and then <laughs> laid by it. We don't. That's not what I'm here to discuss. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man continuity is really weird and sometimes really stupid. Uh, so anyway, they created Ultimate Universe. Ultimate Spider-Man was really the most successful and the biggest one out of it. You also had Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, which did fine, uh, but the Ultimate universe after a time it was like we well we can't just keep telling spider-man stories because eventually he's going to be out of high school and we can't kill spider-man in the regular 616 universe so uh they devised a story in which they could actually kill off spider-man and a new spider-man and brian michael bendis who has two adopted uh black daughters wanted to create characters that they could look up to and relate to and one of them that he created was Miles Morales. And uh, so in the Ultimate Universe, Peter Parker died. Miles Morales got bit by a spider and then uh, became Spider Man. Eventually, the two would meet in a story. Uh, Peter Parker from the 616 main Marvel continuity and the, uh, uh, what is the designation for? Uh, the, it's uh, 1610 is the Ultimate Universe. Nobody- yeah, nobody really, nobody <laughs> does care, but p- there's people who are listening who are like you know, yelling at me that I didn't know 1610 right off the top of my head. Uh, also cause those numbers appear in this film anyway. Uh, they uh, the two of them would eventually meet, and then uh, in an insane story where the multiverse gets eaten, I'm saying eaten, it gets destroyed somehow, and Doctor Doom saves us all, and then they reconstruct the universe. But the Ultimate Universe no longer exists. Uh, but Miles Morales was brought over from the Ultimate Universe into the main continuity, uh, and now exists side by side with Peter Parker uh, from the Six One Six Universe. And I so that thought, is a very brief, very fast history. Yeah, and I
0: thought days. that the MCU phases that we finally finished up with Endgame confused me.
2: Oh, buddy. <laughs> okay. Do you want to discuss clone saga? Oh, How boy. much time you got. To put on a pot of coffee. <laughs> you know that for a while Peter Parker was maybe not Peter Parker, but a clone of Peter Parker. Oh boy. Oh sweet All
0: lord. You. Okay. It's so bad. Well, guys. Is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a classic movie? David, you think so. You brought it to us. Nicole, Absolutely. I'll have yeah. you answer first.
1: Well, I mean, I think it says a lot that pretty much as soon as David said that his choice was going to be Into the Spider-Verse, that both you and I immediately went to Amazon, not to see if we could rent it, but to purchase the Blu-ray. I also um, did
2: that immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, with with just no no thoughts of just renting this no no this is this is a movie this is our excuse to go out and and own the film so and we both jumped at it because this movie is i mean not only is it visually dazzling and i mean dazzling um it is, it's a good story, you know? It's solid. It has these characters, you know, Miles is established so well, so quickly. You know, he's this teenager, like mid-teens at the latest. Like, he's he's coming from a middle school to a special school uh, for, like, extra bright kids. So he's, like, maybe 14, I guess. Um, and he's got this wonderful relationship with his parents and in the neighborhood kids on his way to school. you see how he's attached to them and you know it's he is so relatable instantly because we've all been that awkward teenager, you know whether male or female or inter or whatever you know there's always an awkward. Phase that some of us never quite leave, uh, but it's it is the uh, the other dimensional beings come in and they get established. You know, it's a very neat storytelling device having that. Okay, for the last time, here's such and such. You know, you get like this tidy little summation. Of their origin and who they are and what they're like and what their lives are like, and it's it's a good simple story. It's like they gotta they gotta fix the generator and send destroy the collider, and that's today you're done. You know, it's straightforward. Right. It's easy to follow, and it's beautiful. And yeah, I I would say it's a classic. It's an absolutely classic hero's journey that happens to interweave with like five other hero's journeys.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. This is a I, you know I said it all earlier I, I I've never felt more like I'm in a comic than watching this movie and that just speaks volumes to its capacity as a comic book movie animated live action or otherwise I just adore this movie in every way uh David do you have any final
2: thoughts on your pick ah oh, boy um I just go see it if you haven't seen it <laughs> right yeah
1: yeah buy it don't bother renting. Buy it. You'll you'll want to watch it again. There's just so much just to look at. <laughs> oh, you'll there's a lot of so rewatchability and have here. Have it be crystal clear when you pause.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw this in theaters again not that long ago and I was happy to dive right back into it. it you this is a movie you will
2: want to watch more than once. So, yeah, especially I mean the the end sequence al- alone when the universes are collapsing upon themselves. If if you get a chance if they are ever like, "Hey, we're going to put this movie back in theaters for, you know, one night or whatever." Buy tickets. If you haven't seen if you didn't get to see this in theaters, keep an eye out, especially if you live near an Alamo because when you get the chance to, you're going to want to watch it there. Yes, absolutely. My, my
0: continuing jealousy of you having an Alamo
1: continues. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the, I'm
0: I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the alien 4k restoration in a couple of oh, weeks.
1: Thank <laughs> you so much right now.
0: Uh, <laughs> Alrighty. Well, next week, Nicole, one more time, we are watching.
1: Let the right one in,
0: let the right one in a 2008 Swedish film. It's in Swedish, I believe, right?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. No, no English. Uh,
1: no, uh, sorry, you'll have to actually read. <laughs> ugh,
0: man. All righty. Uh, one thing I've actually been doing—I'll say this to the audience before we sign off—is I've been watching most of our movies with subtitles, and I've learned that you get a lot more out of movies by doing that.
1: So, yeah, you don't miss any lines that way. But yeah. this one, you know, obviously you you need to do that unless you speak Swedish. Uh, <laughs> but this is based on a novel called "Let the Right One In," which I also highly recommend.
0: Right on. Very good. Well, check it out. We're gonna be watching it next week, hopefully having a guest on the program as well. Uh let's go around the table, see real quick where we can find everybody online. David, where can people find you? people can
2: find me uh on the Brookbot Mountain podcast as well as around the internet under the username davluz That is D A V L U Z. So Twitter and Instagram, you can find me there. Very good. What about you, Nicole?
1: Uh you find me in the bathtub. Oh no, wait. Um <laughs> That's in like five minutes from now. But uh, you can find me on the internet on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. You can interact with us there. I post whenever we have a new episode, I post the poll this to us when our audience gets to choose what we have to watch. Please be kind. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You can find me letterbox, Nicole underscore Davis. And if you want, you can go look at my Instagram. It's other dot Nicole. That's me
0: very good you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart you can email the show we'd love to hear from you hi at mgrpodcast.com let us know if you thought this was indeed a future classic if you'd like to find any of the links that are noted right here it's really easy to do social dot if you head on over there you will find all of these links we'll see you next week for around the world